0: So we start this brand new sermon series and, don in, uh, and and diving into Advent. And so here are the key words. Each week we're going to focus on a different term or a different word and tied in with the Christmas story. So today we're going to talk about the Annunciation, next week the Proclamation, the following week the Humiliation, the next word the Anticipation, the next word is the Illumination, and on Christmas Sunday morning we're going to talk about the Revelation. I just made that up. I thought that was pretty good. So. So each week we're gonna be focused on a different word. So today's key word is the Annunciation. We're gonna actually break that down uh, this morning. And, and so I gotta tell you something, Just a personal little privilege. This, I, I'm so excited because about four years ago, I lost my Bible. And you know, being a preacher, that's not a good thing when you lose your Bible. And so um, I actually, my father had given me, um, uh, actually my mom had given me when my father passed away his Bible and so actually I've been using my father's Bible for the last last three or four years. So I was going through my, my stuff this week and I was cleaning out some stuff and I want you to know, um, I found my Bible, and I am so excited to have my Bible back. Because you know, when you have written, my fact, my mom and dad gave me this Bible thirty years ago, 1992, and I'm just so excited to have my Bible today and just uh, be able to preach from it again. And and have I have all these different pictures of my children in it. It kind of dated the time in which I lost the Bible because Cameron was still in high school. And so, anyway, it's just nice to have my Bible back. So let's begin with the, the scripture lesson. So from the Old Testament, matter of fact, I'm gonna go over here to my screen. so um, let me just share and let me read it from the screen today. This comes from the book of Malachi, the third chapter. And I'm gonna teach on this in just a few minutes because this is written 430 years BC. So before John the Baptist comes on the scene, this is being prophesied 430 years as, G, as uh, John the Baptist is gonna be the preparer of the way. So I will send my messenger who's referring to John the Baptist, who will, be, will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, will come. So saith the Lord Almighty. And then so here's the uh, second part of the scripture. I want to share it also from the New Testament. And so this is the story um, of the angel Gabriel coming uh, to Zechariah and the, prof, uh, of, of the story of John the Baptist being foretold. And so here these words from Luke, the first chapter, beginning with the fifth chapter. And the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting up in years. And once... Once when he was serving as the priest before God in his selection on duty, well, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time in the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside, then appeared to him an angel, Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, "Don't be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall name him John." And from the twenty-sixth verse of that same chapter of the gospel, look here the words, the foretelling of Jesus. Now, in the sixth month, of the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph the house of david the virgin's name was mary and he came to her and said, greetings favorite one the lord is with you but she was much perplexed by his words and pondered that what kind of sort of greeting this might be and the angel lord says don't be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him jesus and he'll be great And he'll be called the son of the most high, and Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, but how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel Lord said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the most high will overshadow you, and therefore the child will be born and will be holy, and he'll be called the son of God And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel of the Lord departed from her. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God, amen and amen. Great. I love that story. It's great. So here are the key words I want to, we talked about the word annunciation. So can you put this up on the screen? The first word is expectation. So, you know, the theme for this whole sermon series is Christmas expectation. So the definition for expectation is a strong belief that something will happen to be uh, in the case Somewhere in the future, so there's this sense of expectation, and we have this sense of expectation that the Christ, the, uh, uh, Christ the King, is is going is to come. And the second word is the word is the word anticipation. So we look with great anticipation as we look, move our way through the Christmas season, the Advent seasons. We celebrate about hope and joy and love and peace as we finally arrive to Christmas Eve and then Christmas Sunday morning this year. So the word anticipation is a feeling of excitement about something that's going to happen in the near future so and then we have the word um the uh, word annunciation now um what's interesting um about this word is the annunciation means that it's an announcement Okay, that's literally the definition. The announcement is something uh, that's gonna be something to be announced, uh, the act of announcing. And then, the, and then we think about it from a biblical term of the word annunciation is by the angel Gabriel to the Virgin Mary, that she would be able to conceive a son by the gift of the Holy Spirit and they will call him Jesus. So this is what we call the definition of the annunciation. Now, I want you to know, I've, you know, I've been the Holy Land. I'm actually going back in March. And so there is actually, this is what they do in the Holy Land. Uh, wherever anything holy happens, they put a church there. And so here, let me show you a couple of pictures of the church at the Annunciation. This is what it looks like from the outside. And I I just love this church. It's in Nazareth. It's just a beautiful church. And whenever I look at the church, I always think of a, actually of a Easter lily and looking up, and when you get inside this church, it almost looks like when you look up at the top of the Rotundin, it, it, it's like an Easter lily opening up. And so, and then, can you go to the next slide? So this is what it looks like inside. This is the holy spot um, where the I believe this is the actual spot where the angel Gabriel came to, the, to Mother Mary. And then here's another picture of what it looks like from the whole, and it's just isn't that a beautiful church? And so if you stand in the middle of that, you can look up to the top and see the light come in, what I call the Easter lily. And so this gives you just a, a little picture of what it would be like, you know, back 2,000 years ago, and this is the actually holy site. So oh, it's interesting, as I was thinking about this week, um, this has been a big week. We, um, you know, this, we just went through Thanksgiving, and there's a lot of people have been traveling. And, um, and so I don't know if you know how many people have been traveling in America, but about, let me give you a number, 55 million people were moving around to the, over the last week. So listen, instead of uh, getting in the middle of all that uh, Thanksgiving rush, we actually went to see my son Luke the last week. That's the reason why we weren't here. Matter of fact, I got a picture of me and Luke and my son Cam, and here we were on the top of a mountain a couple of actually last week, and we had such a great time. And so when I when we landed um, uh, in, uh, in New Haven, Connecticut, oh, I got one word to describe my my Thanksgiving vacation with Luke. Here's the word: cold. It's cold in Connecticut, I just want you to know that. I was really glad to be able to get back. So it was really cold. So we, we get there and we landed uh, New Haven, Connecticut. It's about a half an hour from uh, Hartford, Connecticut. And so he picks us up and um, so we're, we're making our way back towards uh, Hartford. And so I look at Luke and I said, Luke, I'm really impressed how you know your way. You've only been up here like two or three months and you'd really know your way around here. And he looked at me, he says, dad, I have no clue where I'm going. I'm just following my GPS and the blue line. And he has a Subaru and he's got the little GPS and so forth. And I thought, well, that's, you know, I was, well, that just, I said, okay, then uh, you don't really know where you're going. You just follow the blue lights. So we just follow the blue line all the way home. And we all know how that works. Now, listen, here's the interesting thing. We're on this journey, right? We're on this journey. Many million people have been on this journey this last week, 55 million Americans have been on a journey moving around from place to place on the airports or driving, planes, trains. And so we all can relate to being on this journey and we're on this journey together. And we have this whole host of characters that are all on this journey that we're being embarking on this Advent season together. I mean, we got Mary and Joseph, we're gonna talk about them later on. We're gonna talk about, well, today we talk about Zachariah and Elizabeth. We got wise men that are coming, we got shepherds that are coming, we got the prophet Simeon in the temple. So we have all these beautiful host of characters and we're making our way on this journey together. Now what's interesting, and we all can relate to being on a journey, so Luke has his GPS on his Subaru, but back in the good old days, I don't know if you all remember this, but this is actually what we, well, this is called a map. I don't know if you all remember this, but I remember the good old days. Uh, and so we would, uh, when we would go, and here's, here's the, this is a little archaic, right? Now you can do everything by a phone or a GPS. And if you have a car or a Subaru, you can just look up there. And, and so when I was a kid growing up, um, we would take this journey and the journey was, and it was always one of those, and I would use these two words. There's a, two key words with, was the word expectation and anticipation on this journey. So um, when I was a kid, every summer, we would get in the family truckster, and my mom and dad and my sister would load up, and we would go to Paint Lake, Kentucky to go visit our family. And so we would start, usually we'd start in Lakeland. So I want you to, I want you to understand this. So can you imagine being with me as a 10-year-old hyper, hyper kid in the back seat for 14 hours? I just want you to know that, right? The only person I know who's more hyper than me is Pastor Jeff. He's the only one, anyway. And so, uh... And so, what I, I, we would make this journey. Now, I want you to know, um, I later in my life, I actually drove that journey, and I could do it about eleven hours, right? But with my mom and my dad and my sister, we had to make a lot of potty breaks, right? And so, it took fourteen or fifteen hours, right? But I would, I could just blow, you know, I could have just driven the whole thing. Um, and so, we had uh, on this journey, there was a sense of anticipation when we finally would get there. I, would, I don't know how many times. So I would say, Daddy, are we there yet? You remember that? Maybe your own kids, Daddy, are you there yet? Are we there yet? And we would say over and over and over again. And the other key word is the word expectation. And listen, the idea of expectation this journey was somewhere between Lakeland, Florida, and about halfway between there and Berea or Paint Lake, Kentucky, there was a city called Atlanta. And you had to drive through the Atlanta traffic. Do you remember? I don't know if you've ever done that. And so it was a given so, we would expect traffic in Atlanta. There was no getting around it. Even if you took the bypass, there was going to be traffic in Atlanta. So, looking back at my life and then this journey that we're together, there's two keywords. if you've ever gone on a trip somewhere along the way, you can usually use those two terms as far as when we talk, when it talks about anticipation and expectation. So here's my thoughts for today, and I have a, um, actually, let me just put this up on the screen, and I I think it's actually when it comes to our Christmas expectation, can you put that next slide up here? Here's our Christmas expectation, is that God is delivering on his promise, can we amen on that? When we look at the Advent season and what Jesus Christ and his coming of the Lord, uh, God is ultimately, when it comes to this Christmas expectation, is God is delivering on his promise, the Christmas anticipation is joy and hope and peace and love. And we all experience this along the way. It's all part of the journey. So we have these key words that are part of the Christmas story that we're on this journey together Christmas expectation, Christmas anticipation. And here's a couple other things I've found in my own personal life Is you know what? Here's, is here, um, is if you blink, you may miss the journey because it goes by really, really fast. And the second thing is I've also experienced in my life is you can get so busy with distractions that you miss the flight. So when we, get, when we get caught up in all this Christmas time together and, you know, we go to a lot of parties and we have all these beautiful, I mean, we live, most of us live in this beautiful community and we call the villages. And I know that many of you all have block parties and there's all these things we get to do and there's all this shopping and there's all these things that we need to be able to experience. And, this, and, you know, it's just amazing how we try to cram so much into this Advent Christmas season. But I guess my word of caution, and this isn't the first time you've ever heard this from me or from any pastor, is that so often we become so distracted that we miss the true meaning of what the Christmas season's all about. And so we think about this, we're on this journey together. So let me teach a little bit about um, some of the host of characters when we think about this. And here's here's a picture of the angel Gabriel. Matter of fact, we got this and put this up on the screen. And so um, there's a picture of angel Angel, Gabriel. And so I learned some things about uh, angel Gabriel this week that I want to share with you all. So can you put this up on the screen? So here's what I would call, I'm going to give you Gabriel's profile. I'm going to give you uh, Zachariah's profile. And I'm going to give you Elizabeth's profile up on the screen today. So here are the key things. Gabriel only speaks to three biblical characters in the whole Bible. In the Old Testament, you find uh, Gabriel speaks to Daniel. We find that uh, Gabriel speaks to Zechariah in the temple. as is what I read just a few minutes ago. And we find that Zach, uh, Gabriel speaks to Mary. Gabriel may not have had wings because the Bible never says that gave, Gabriel had wings. Um, but normally you see, as I saw that picture, he had wings, but it doesn't say that. Gabriel's name means God is great. And then the, um, the fourth thing is Gabriel is only one of two named good angels in the Bible. I thought that was interesting. And then Gabriel's appearance is rather terrifying. In other words, usually one when, when of uh, the first things when you hear the story, uh, when I just read it a minute ago, was Zachariah and Mary. The first thing, when the, what Gabriel says, hey, fear not. Don't be afraid. Now, listen, I can understand. You know, all of a sudden you're kind of going along with your life and there's an angel. And so that could be a little bit frightening. And so there is a sense of, um, you know, fear and tribulation, tribulation when the angel shows up. And Angel Gabriel says, hey, listen, it's going to be okay. Fear not. Now, what was interesting this last week, I was sitting in the... Um, and the cvs actually it was the walgreens parking lot donna had gone in to go get something and, I, and she says do you want to come in i said no i'll just sit in the car and so i was sitting there listening to christmas music and um and so what was very interesting and one of the songs that came on was one of my favorites christmas carols and you all may have heard it and matter of fact um this let me show you a picture of the person who made this particular christmas carol does anybody remember that guy his name was Bing crosby In the early 1960s, he made this Christmas carol really, really famous. Now, for those of you all who are a little dated like me, we all have heard of Bing Crosby. For those who are younger people in the audience, matter of fact, like all the people are watching, doing all our electronics up on the screen, these young guys, they are thinking, who names their kid Bing, right? So Bing Crosby made, made this particular song very famous. And the title of the song, as I'm listening to it, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? And so what's very interesting, I, um, I shared with you actually a couple of years ago that when I researched that particular song, th- that, it's just a classic song, but it was only written in 1962. And the reason why it was written in 1962 is the two people that wrote the song is because of the Cuban Missile Crisis. The context of that song was written in the midst of crisis, so when you get, and, and, the, and the hope that the psalm would bring to the world was peace. So that's the reason why when you get to the very end of that particular song, send the king to the people everywhere, listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere, listen to what I say. This child, the child, sleeping at night, he will bring us goodness and light. He will bring us goodness and light. And as Paul Harvey says, now you know the rest of the story, right? So what I, what I love about, I just love this old, this old Christmas carol that was sung by Bing Crosby back in the 19, early 1960s. But I really love the meaning. And so it made me start thinking about this Christmas season. And once again, it reminds us of, well, I mean, the Christmas story is really kind of, you find there's a sense of crisis going on. In other words, when you think about it, all of a sudden angel Gabriel shows up to Zachariah and Zachariah is freaked out because there's an angel there and he doesn't really know what to do. So there's a sense of crisis. All of a sudden, angel Gabriel shows up and talks, starts talking to Mary and says, Mary, listen what, you're the favored one. You're gonna, be able to, you're gonna be conceived by the gift of the Holy Spirit and you're gonna be able to give birth to the Savior of the world. And she says, well, how can this be? For I'm a virgin. And so then she has to go back and there's a sense of crisis in her life. She says, how am I gonna explain this to Joseph, Right? I mean, is he really going to believe? And guess what? Joseph doesn't believe. So then Joseph's life's in crisis, and he's thinking, how am I going to explain this to my mom and dad? And she's thinking, how am I going to explain this to my mom and dad? No one's going to believe me. And by the way, there's a lot of whispering because Nazareth is a small town, and everybody's going to be talking. So this, all of a sudden, you look at this Christmas story, and everything's kind of in a tailspin, right? most of these find this, all of a sudden, there's this crisis going on. Mary's in crisis. Joseph's in crisis. Zachariah's in crisis. Elizabeth seems like she's in. I mean, there's this, all this kind of crisis going on, evolving. And then you get to the Gospel of Matthew, and the wise men show up. And guess what? When the wise men show up, that throws Herod in crisis. And he says, Oh, wait a minute. I thought I was the king of the Jews. Who's this? Can you please tell me where? Can you please tell me where he is so I can go and worship him, him too? Not. Right, You all know the story from, from Matthew. And then what's very interesting, don't miss the detail, I love this part. So the Bible says, and Herod was troubled. And then it goes on and says, and then also all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. So you look at the story, it's, there's a sense of, the Christmas story is really birthed out of all this crisis, it kind of throws people in crisis. So what does that mean for us today? Well, let me tell you something the world is still continues to be in crisis. I mean, you know, you look at the 630 News and you can't, you can't just stick your head in the sand and think, well, yeah, there's crisis everywhere. There's crisis in Ukraine. There's a potential crisis between us and China. There's that, to, you know, you can watch the news and you see that, that's always kind of lingering there. And there's this crisis between America and the Russians. There's that always kind of lingering there. And by the way, I don't know if you realize this, but there's been more mass shootings this last week, Right. I thought this was an amazing, astounding statistic. Uh, a mass shooting is described as anyone who's shot, uh, there's more, more than four people that are murdered at one, any one time. And this last year, so far to record, there's been over 600 mass shootings in America. So you can't tell me that we're not dealing with some sense of crisis. So wait, here, here's but here's the good news, and so I, I, what I really appreciate about Jesus is that Jesus says, "Listen." He's I, 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 what I what I love about this particular quote is that Jesus says, "Listen." I, there's good news, and then there's bad news, but then there's good news, and Jesus talks about all of us. He says, "Listen, you're going to have trouble." Matter of fact, can you put that quote up? And here's John sixteen thirty three. Jesus, this is Jesus talking to us. He says, listen, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. There's the good news. But wait a minute. In this world, you're going to have trouble. There's the bad news. There's no getting around it. Just like you can't get around Atlanta. (laughs) But take heart, I have overcome the world. And so when I think about that is I think that there's something very powerful that Jesus came. I see, by the way, the most famous piece of scripture in the whole New Testament is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his begotten, only begotten son, whoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting, Everlasting life. life, right? And so what we learn from this Christmas story, guys, is that is that the, the beauty of the Christmas story is that we know that God has given us this wonderful gift. His name is Jesus. And that Jesus came to overcome the world in the midst of the crisis in order to give us hope and peace and joy and love and to follow him. But he says, listen, there's going to be times in your life that you're going to be in trouble. There are going to be troubles. We've all gone through some kind of crisis in our life. I guarantee you there's not anybody in this room that hasn't gone through some kind of crisis in your life. But Jesus continues in the midst of the crisis of our life. Jesus continues to give us hope. For there's always hope in Jesus Christ. Can we amen on that? Amen. So I was thinking about this this last week and reflect upon this, this whole thing because, you know, there's this sense of goodness and evilness in the world and the reason why God gave us Jesus in the first place to overcome so much evilness in the world. So what I think is really interesting, if you go back and look, and can you put that Malachi te- te- text back up? Once again, this... So what's very interesting, and let's, once again, let me just teach for a second, Malachi's written 430 years before John the Baptist even falls on the scene. Okay, so what's very interesting, the central message of Malachi, once again, this all goes together, what's prophesied 430 years before we even get to the uh, first century AD, is to confront the people with their own sins and to restore the relationship with God. Why? Because there were people in crisis even in first century we find that god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son he gave us jesus because he knew that there was going to be crisis and there's this sin, this tension that was going on and even back in the whole book of malachi is tried to help understand that there's a way to sin in the world and that god is going to send jesus christ but the precursor of jesus christ is going to be a messenger it's going to be a prophet and his name is going to be john the baptist and this is what this is what I, this is a classic line from john the baptist right I love what John the Baptist has to say. He says, you know, listen, hey, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes the one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am unworthy to carry on. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winning fork in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's John the Baptist talking about Jesus. So listen, there was a time in which the people were trying to make John the Baptist, and they thought, oh, you're the Messiah, right? And John the Baptist says, no, 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 I am not the Messiah, he says, and then this is what he says, he sees Jesus Christ walking down the embankment of the Jordan River, and he says, behold the Lamb of God, who's come to take away the sins of the world. So when we look at this story, this whole thing goes together, once again, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that God is a giver, he's given us his son, we have this beautiful part of the season of Advent, we have this tension between good and evil, but we also have the hope of Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist says, do you hear what I hear? Are you hearing what I hear? Behold the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. So the story today I've shared with you all and let me just share once again, this is a picture of Zachariah. Can you put Zachariah's profile up? So let me just teach for a second about Zachariah. So I love this. So here's, um, this is some details about Zachariah. He was known as a righteous, blameless man. Uh, righteous means behaving in a way marked for justice. Now, let me ask you something. When's the last time someone says, called you righteous? When's the last time someone said that you're blameless, right? Listen, I, I've been called a lot of things. And here's an interesting thing. A couple of years ago, someone gave me a Kentucky colonel. I'm very proud of this. And what's very interesting about this little Kentucky colonel, he even gave me a title. Not only am I known as Colonel, Cur- Colonel Harold Hendren, but I'm actually known as the Honorable Harold Hendren. Now, I've been called a lot of things, but I've never been called honorable before, right? Matter of fact, they even give you a certificate of authenticity to tell me how honorable I am. Now, I don't know how much an honorable certificate get costs these days, but I'm sure, pretty sure it's not cheap, right? And so, when we look at life, you know, we can be called a lot of things, but I think what's really interesting that Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're both called honorable or blameless Here's the second thing. He was a priest before God. By the way, the, uh, Zechariah is not just, well, he's just an ordinary priest. Uh, of course, being a priest is a big deal, but there were actually about 5,000 priests back then. But We also know he was, he was the high priest. That was the one key priest, and the high priest gets a lot of attention in the Bible, but he's just an ordinary priest. Where else do we see priests? Well, we see like in the Good Samaritan story. Um, where uh, once a guy, once upon a time, you know, a guy gets beaten down and he's thrown in the and the side of the road. And there's a Levite that goes by, and then there's a priest that goes by. Doesn't want to touch him because he would be contaminated. He wouldn't be able to go to worship God because he, if he touched someone who was bleeding, he wouldn't be able to do that. And so we find a priest in that story. We find this a few weeks ago. I preached about the lepers, and Jesus says, "Go, you show yourself to the priest, not the high priest, but just an ordinary priest." So Zachariah is a priest. And so we find that. We also find that he um, is one of the few people who ever actually get directed to rest by an angel. We also know that he was the father of John the Baptist, and we also know Zachariah's name means God has remembered. Now, that's important. Hold on to that. God has remembered. Now, can you show this next slide about um, um, Elizabeth, if you could be gracious? So here's Elizabeth's profile. Elizabeth is known as a deeply spiritual woman. She's righteous. And by the way, she's blameless as well. Um, showed up, showed no doubts about God's ability to fulfill his promise. The first one besides Mary to hear the coming of the Savior, um, she was a descendant of Aaron. Now that's a big deal. In other words, she's from a priestly line. Who's Aaron? Aaron ha- just happens to be Moses' brother. Aaron is known as the kind of the, um, the, uh, the original, considered the original uh, origin of all the priests of all of Israel. So it all started with Aaron. So once again, it shows Elizabeth's pedigree. It shows that she's connected to this line and Aaron and she was um, considered a part of that line. And we also know she was, um, she was a mother of John the Baptist and Elizabeth's name means, and this is also very important, my God's oath. Now, what does this all mean? So here's what's very powerful about this story when you look at the names. So Zachariah's name means what God remembers, right? And then uh, Elizabeth's name means um, my God's oath. So what's very powerful, you go back, there's a time in what's in Jesus' life when he's hanging on the cross, right? And he says, my God, my God, why hast thou... Forsaken me, okay? Do you realize that that is actually a prayer? It's actually known as an oath. And so the word uh, Elizabeth, when you look at her, well, her name. Let me just use this. So Elizabeth, E L I, which means my God. But the back end of her name is connected to, because when Jesus says, my God, my God, it's actually connected to the word oath, O-A-T-H. And so what's very interesting when you look at this part of the story is that when you look at the names of both Elizabeth and also um, Zechariah, there's a connection that God is being faithful, that he has heard their plea, I mean, once again, this is a story that's very connected to the Old Testament. Let me tell you how this all connects. So Malachi is 430 B.C., right? The abraham um, Sarah story, 14th century B.C. Who's, who does God establish the original covenant with? Abraham. Okay, and so what's very interesting, when you look at the story, there's a similarities between the Elizabeth and Zechariah story and the Abraham and Sarah story. And what the similarities are is, guess what? Sarah is all way up in age, and she's not going to be able to have any children, right? So just, just a refresher. Y'all still with me? Okay. So here's the interesting thing. So Sarah, she is 90 years old. When she gets word that she's actually, she's actually going to be able to have a child, right? So I meant it gets better. Abraham, bless his heart, he is triple digits. So it's very interesting. They're thinking, there's no way, Jose, that we'd ever be able to have a child. Well, according to scripture, what I just read a few minutes ago is that the same thing, we don't know exactly how old Zachariah was. We don't really know how old Elizabeth was, but we do know the Bible makes it very clear. And this is a common thing that all of a sudden the women are not a baron and they're not gonna be able to have children. And so we find there's a similarities between the two stories. Matter of fact, when, when Zechariah is in the holy of the holy places, and he turns to the angel Gabriel and he literally says, how can this be? There's just basically, there's no way. And it's the exact same words that he uses in the Holy of Holies when he's in there with the incense is the exact same words that Abraham uses back in 4th century BC. So why is Luke trying to weave all this together? Because he wants us to understand this, what the original covenant established in the Old Testament is ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is going to come and fulfill a brand new covenant. And he's going to give us a brand new command. Love the God, love the God, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus is going to give us a brand new command. He says, Love just as I have taught you to love. So when we look at these two stories, I think it's incredible, but the, between the parallels between the Abraham's story and also the Zachariah story and it all points once again the connection what happens 1400 years before Jesus and and John the Baptist even around the scene it's all fulfilling and coming together because you ready because God keeps his word I mean what is Elizabeth what, what is Zechariah's name God is remembered he's remembered He's been faithful. What is what is, it? What is it? When Zachariah goes to the Holy of Holies, and by the way, it's this amazing thing because he casts lots, it's like he hit the lottery. He's there's one of five thousand priests and all of a sudden he's the one who's picked that particular day to cast lots and he's the lucky guy. He gets to go in and be a part of this very sacred thing. It's a once in a lifetime thing. Where else do we see lots? We see lots when, oh, when um, they cast lots when they had to replace Judas. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he became the 12th disciple. We find that they cast lots for Jesus' garment. The Roman soldiers are casting lots for his, because the, literally Jesus died with the shirt on his back. And the only thing that Jesus had of any value was the shirt on his back. It was a cloak, and it was seamless, so it had some value. So they had through lots for that. So lots are an important part of the whole story. And so he casts lots and it's his lucky day. It's, he's been blessed. He's going to be able to go in. And so he goes in the holy. And so what is what is he praying for? I guarantee you, I mean, if you go to a holy, holy place, and by the way, what's beautiful is in this story is that God shows up at his church with a message. I think that Zachariah walks in the Holy Holies and I think that maybe he doesn't go, I I think he's he's so excited to be able to be a part of this holy event. I, I, I think he was probably praying, Lord, can you please, have you heard my prayer? I mean, all Elizabeth and I have ever wanted in our whole life is to be able to have a child. What does Zachariah's name mean? God remembers. What does Elizabeth's name mean? My God, which is an oath, which means that God ultimately is good for his word. We believe in a good God, and his word is good and truthful. Can they bend on that? That's part of the whole story. So, well, listen, they have doubts. Zechariah has doubts. How can this be? You know, you know they read the rest of the story. He is muted. He comes out, and they're all saying, what happened? You can't, and he can't talk, and he can't explain to them because he, because he doubted where we find this story. It's the same story that we find in, with Abraham and Sarah. They doubted too, right? And so, when, what's very powerful when I think about this is the story about doubts, and yet God continues to be fulfilled His promise. By the way, I shared with you all a couple of weeks ago. How long did Elizabeth, uh, how long did uh, Sarah and Abraham have to wait before, when God says, "I'm going to bless you with a the child," they had to wait 25 years. 25 years of waiting before God fulfilled His promise. So here I close with this tonight. There's this morning. When I think about this, I, I, I think that um, God, his word is faithful. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? And this is the message that we find today. God's word is faithful. This is the overarching theme that goes between the story of Jesus and his birth, the, the prophecy of, of John the Baptist that was prophesied 430 years ago, and then how Luke weaves into this whole story between the names of Zechariah and Elizabeth goes back to 1,400 years before Abraham and the Sarah story. It all goes together, and it has to do with the covenant that God's established, and Jesus is going to usher in a brand new covenant. Love God, love your neighbor. Love just as I have taught you to love. So um, I close with this today is that uh, I had um, an interesting conversation with my dear friend, um, Don Piper, and I'm, I'm gonna ask you to pray for someone today. I don't normally do this. But um, Don's daughter, Nicole, is um, she's in her early 40s. They have, her and her husband Scott have uh, two beautiful children, 15 and 11. And so Nicole was diagnosed um, about six years ago with kidney cancer. They took her kidney out and they thought she was gonna do pretty well. Matter of fact, they give her about a year and a half to live. Well, she's lived six years, but the cancer's come back now. And now it's in her liver. So I had a really powerful conversation with Don before Thanksgiving because, you know, this Thanksgiving may be different because the next Thanksgiving, I mean, they've already called in palliative uh, hospice to help take care of her. And I love them. I mean, Don has been such a great friend. I love Don and his family. So when in, the, in the midst of this conversation, he says, you know, Harold, there's no way that you can ever be prepared to outlive your children. You know, I, I just, it, I, it's, it's I, I, he says, I, I feel like it's almost surreal. I mean, you know, we, we had such great high hopes and ex- we had expectations, we had anticipation, but, you know, we were just hoping, hoping, hoping. And then this, he said to me, um, because there's this theme that we had today and you heard me re- refer to it when the angel shows up, there's something about fear not. So maybe the question I'm asking you all today is you kind of contemplate this Here's my question is what are you afraid of i mean are we afraid that we're going to have enough money to be able to get us to the finish line are we going to have enough i mean are we afraid for our children are we worried about our grandchildren i mean i worry about my kids all the time right um are we afraid of dying that's a really good question and so I got a really powerful response from my, my friend Don Piper this week when he talked about his relationship and his love for his daughter. And this is what he says You know, Harold, I, I know Nicole's not afraid to die, and I know she does want to die. And, um, but he also said this He says, You know, I know where she's going. And then he said, I know where she's going because I've been there. And because of that, he has this reassuring hope that heaven is real, that Jesus is real, that Jesus came to die for Nicole, that Jesus came to die for him, that Jesus came to die for me, Jesus came to die for you and all in order for us to have salvation, and that heaven's a, well, it's a, it's a perfect place for imperfect people like you and me who are, well, sometimes we might get a title honorable, but we certainly aren't blameless. And sometimes we aren't real, real righteous, but we believe in a forgiving God. So here's, here's where I'm at today. How do we really know in our midst of our lives when we think, you know, Jesus Christ and is the Lord of our life, because you, here, here's here's the interesting. You ready for the detail? Elizabeth is the first person on the planet Earth to call Jesus Lord. Do you know Jesus as Lord? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know that ultimately, are you a, once again, are we willing to go and tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord? He's your Lord, he's my Lord, he's our world, Lord, and that Jesus came in order to be able to give us hope and love and peace and joy. And in that, we have the essence of the Advent season. And we're on this journey together. And we learned a lot about the Annunciation today. But hopefully my hope is that you learn something more about your profound relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he really is real.